in a family of three boys, and I was in the middle. And so if you like the theories about personality that have to do with birth order, you might think, oh, maybe he's a people pleaser or uh, a peacemaker or mildly rebellious. Um, and I'll, I'll keep you guessing as to how true each of those are. Um, but if you ask uh, my older or younger brother what it meant that I was the middle child, they might roll their eyes and say, oh, you mean the good child? <laughs> um, the good child was a name I had graciously bestowed upon myself <laughs> as a nine or 10 year old. And I would, I would bring it out in, in occasions to subtly highlight um, my brother's poor behavior and my own good behavior. Um, so for instance, I don't know, Mom, why my older brother hasn't done his math homework or my younger brother hasn't practiced music. But I have, but then I am the good child. <laughs> or we'd be, we'd be at you know, a friend's house for dinner and I'd, I'd get all the kids engaged in a rambunctious game activity and would be encouraging them on. And, um, but at, at the precise moment before the adults would come in the room to tell us to quiet down, I would, I would slip out of the room and walk over to the adults and say, I'm trying my best <laughs> to keep everything under control, but it's really hard to good child. That was my nickname for myself. And it was, it, honestly, it was uh, in a lot of ways how I saw myself. I was a good child. I was the one who didn't disappoint. I was the one who kind of did what I was supposed to do and achieved what I was supposed to achieve. And... Who do you who do you kind of see yourself as? Maybe it comes from your childhood growing up. Maybe it comes from your adulthood. But if you had to put an adjective in there, the the what child? What would it be? Maybe you're the hard worker child. Maybe you're the big earner child. Maybe you're the 10k runner or yoga stretcher child. Or maybe. Maybe you didn't have experience of feeling like a good child. Maybe you felt like you were the forgotten child. Or you were the lonely child. Or the problem child. Or the couldn't get a break child. Financially in trouble child. The addicted child. The angry child. Maybe you weren't the good child. Maybe you felt like the bad child. In the scripture passage uh, we read today from the first letter of John, we see in the Bible that the Bible not only tells us who God is, but it tells us who we are as well. And in this passage, it, it tells us that God is, is Father, that He is light, and that we are, are invited to become part of God's family. We're invited to be children of light. And so we've been in a series, we're in a series this summer, um, we started last month, our first service, um, and the next three monthly services uh, talking about what it means to be called into the light. And we looked last time at the reality that there's darkness in our world, but that Jesus overcomes that darkness. He overcomes the darkness of a spiritual enemy by giving his followers and his church the Holy Spirit. He overcomes the darkness of, uh, in our society by creating a new society, the church. And we're going to talk about those in August and September at our services now. We also said that he overcomes darkness within us. The sin that we have done or that was done against us, he overcomes that darkness as well. And, and I want to look at two ways he does that tonight. He does, it, he does it by making us children of light through adoption. 
And second, by teaching us to walk in the light through confession. So adoption makes us children of light. Confession teaches us to walk in the light. So would you turn with me in your Bible to uh, John's first letter, right there towards the back. Uh, It's also printed in your order of service. And we're just going to step through this together. Uh, John was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, probably the youngest one. And uh, he wrote the gospel reading we also read today, the the book about Jesus' life. And now he he wrote this letter. It's about a 10-minute read. So if you want, um, after the service, not while I'm talking, but maybe after, (laughs) you could uh, give it a read through. And it's really fun to read all in one sitting. And he's using a lot of poetic imagery here at the beginning. It sounds just like the beginning of of his other book, uh, The Gospel of John. What he's saying is, we were with Jesus. We heard him. We saw him. We touched him. We lived our life with him. And through Jesus, we lived our life with the Father. He uses that word, uh, fellowship. We had fellowship with the Father and with the Son. There was a sense of sharing their lives with Jesus and with the Father, of communion, close relationship. And John says the only thing that could make that close relationship with the Father and with the Son any better is if you joined it. That's what would make his joy complete, is if if you came into it as well. What does it mean that God is our Father? Verse 5, it says, This is the message God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Now, I don't know what kind of uh, parents you had growing up or you have. Um, Different people have different experiences of that. Um, But even if you had the best parents, they're still human. Although I did just watch a show a couple weeks ago where one of those main figures found out one of their parents was an alien. So that would be different. (laughs) But for most of us, you know, even at their best moments, our, our parents sometimes drop the ball. And, and maybe, maybe you think about coming into God's family and you're like, oh, not another family. <laughs> There's enough drama just dealing with my own. But, but God says the type of father that he is, is a father that is light. And in him there is no darkness. There is uh, uh, no chance that he will let us down. He will always be there for us when we need him. He is a father who doesn't have a hidden agenda, who doesn't have a part of his life that we don't know about and that when we find out, it rocks our world. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have a secret vice or weakness that one day we're going to bump up against and realize, oh no, now what? We don't have to worry about what he might do one day. He's light. In him, there is no darkness. We can fully trust our Father. And so later in this same book, John says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that he's just giving us, pouring on us over and over again extravagantly, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Now, maybe you're still exploring what it means to follow God. Maybe you're still figuring out, that's awesome. I'm so glad you're here. I hope this is a safe place for you to explore who God is and if he truly is a father of light 
that you can trust. But if he was, if, if there was no darkness at all in him, and he was inviting you into his family, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to join? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that family? We have a father, and we can be in fellowship with the father. Take a look at verse six, uh, verse seven. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, God wants us to walk with him. He wants us to be with him. He wants us to live where he is living. And he wants us to walk in the light, not just because he wants what's best for us. Most of our fathers all wanted what was best for us. But he actually knows what's best for us. He not only wants what's best for us, but he knows what's best for us. My kids, uh, I've got a daughter who's six and a son who's four. They still think I know everything. So they'll ask me all these questions and just expect that, that I know. Like um, this week it was, when are Grammy and Grandpa coming? Five minutes or six minutes? I don't know. Why not? Why don't you know these things? Uh, Nora will find a rock outside. It's my daughter, and she'll come and show it to me. And be like, what kind of rock is this? I don't know. I don't know. Why don't you know? Can't you type it in the computer and look it up? I don't, I don't know. But God is a God who not only wants our best, he's a father who knows what is best for us. Another place in the Bible, in, in the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, the, the writer of Psalm 119 says, Your hands made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. What he's saying is, God, you're, you're the father who made me. You know me. You know what's best for me. Teach me. Show me. Show me what's best for me. God created us, and he knows the pathway to our flourishing. It's called walking in the light, and he wants us to join him there. And so Psalm 19 goes on to say in verse 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Walk in the light. That's where the Father is. And he's a Father who not only wants what's best for us, but he knows what is best for us. Now, the opposite of that is true, too. If walking in the light is walking with God in a place that's best for us, then walking away from God, walking in darkness, is walking down a path that leads not to life with God, but that leads to pain and to sorrow and to a life that is not best for us. Walking away from the light brings pain and suffering, and that's what the Bible calls sin. And God loves us so much that he says to us, don't walk that way. Don't walk into the way of darkness. Come with me. I'll show you how to walk in light. Now, that doesn't mean that walking in light um, is, is going to be a walk in the park, that it's easy, that it's always pain-free, but there is a difference. See, the pain we might experience, the suffering we might experience walking in the light, because sometimes it's hard to walk in the light. That experience is, is a battle against the darkness. And when we battle against the darkness, there is suffering, but that suffering is like the battle that Jesus fought against the darkness on the cross. And he's already won the victory, which means that at the end of suffering, of walking in the light, there is life. There is resurrection. 
There is a, a new day and a new beginning if, if you battle the darkness by walking in the light. But if you walk in the darkness, the pain, the suffering you experience there, it doesn't have a happy ending. That pain leads to more darkness and more suffering. And so the Father pleads with us, walk in the light. Now, if you're like me, or if you're like a lot of people in our world, we don't like being told uh, that our way is not the right way, or that we're walking in darkness. Um, we'd rather uh, be told that the way I'm living my life is okay, and the way you're living your life is okay, and we're pretty sure God's okay with however you live your life. But, but God loves us too much to lie to us. God loves us too much to let us walk in darkness if that's not, if that's not his way. See, he, he says here, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. He, he wants what's best for us too badly to let us go into darkness without saying, please, please come into the light even if that's a hard message to hear. And so the Father invites us into the light. In this passage, John is inviting us into the light. And the way we walk into the light with the Father is by confession. So we become children of light through adoption. But we walk in the light through confession. Uh, John says this in verse 8 here in 1 John. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Later on in verse 10, he says the same thing again. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. What a rude awakening it was for me um, when I realized I was not the good child that I thought I was or that I wanted to be. When I realized that I couldn't always impress everybody or please everybody or live up to everybody's expectations or my own expectations, it was a rude awakening when I looked in the mirror and I realized I wasn't the man that I wanted to be and that I had done things that I never wanted to do and never thought I would do. It was a rude awakening to realize that I could never be good enough to earn my way into God. That was my story. Maybe your story is different. Maybe you think that because of the bad things you've done, you could never, you could never be a, a part of God's family. That they're, they're too many or too bad. Whether you have trouble believing in your own brokenness and darkness and sin, or whether you have trouble believing in the depths of God's grace and His forgiveness, this letter from John says that both are true. Pastor Tim Keller says it like this. He says, The gospel is this. We are more flawed and sinful than we ever dared believe. Yet we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope. Our sin goes deeper than we ever thought. But his grace goes deeper still. And John promises us that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. He says that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin if we'll confess. 
There was a, a movement uh, almost 100 years ago now in East Africa. And as uh, Anglicans in North America, we're very connected to East Africa. Um, we get to, to meet with them and talk with uh, Christians and, and people there. And I got to spend some time praying and meeting with some, some Kenyans uh, earlier this year. And they had a movement of God there in the 20s and 30s and 40s that, that's now called the, the East African Revival. Because people's lives were revived. They were made new. They were transformed. They, they had a new beginning. And it started when they started making confession. It started when they recognized the depth of their own darkness in their lives, but, but also proclaiming that the light of Jesus the grace of Jesus is greater. And so they would use this phrase. They would say to one another, are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the light? Are you walking in the light? They would confess their sins, but they would believe that Jesus' grace is greater than all their sin. You see, anyone who will confess their sin can be cleansed. But God can only convert what we confess. He can only cleanse what we admit. He can only forgive what we say we're sorry for. Now that doesn't mean we have to go around and make sure we tally up every single sin we ever did, and if we miss one, we're in trouble. No, that's not the idea. The idea is this. We can withhold ourselves from God. Whether you've never confessed in your life before, or you haven't confessed in a while, or you confess every day. We can withhold parts of ourselves from our Father. And when we do that, we take a step into darkness. And no matter how many steps in darkness we've taken, the Father is only ever one step away. And it's a a step to turn around. He's waiting with all of His grace and forgiveness that Jesus won on the cross by dying for us and by being raised to new life. He's always waiting with that grace. If we'll let it in. And when we do that, when we confess, the light of Jesus comes into that dark place in our life, and the light of Jesus will start to dismantle it. It will cast it out. It will dispel it. It will scatter it. And the resurrection light of Jesus will, will, will make that light and that walking in the light come in our life. If we will confess, he will transform. He will roll back the night, and he will help us find that new day in Jesus. Sometimes it's slow and painful. Sometimes it's fast. But it will happen. Because he has adopted us as children of light. And he is a father who not only wants what's best for us, but he knows We can walk with him in the light. We can be with him in that fellowship. If we'll confess our sin and believe in his grace and forgiveness. And we're going to have a chance in just a minute to make a confession. And Bonnie's going to play while we pray and while we confess. Just give you a chance to enter into that grace of Jesus. So I, I just invite you. Take some time of silence. Think about what this passage says about who we are 
We are children of God. We are children of a loving Father. It might be that you, um, as we pray, it might be that you find yourself uh, really far from God today. And he's inviting you to come back. You don't have to actually make your way all the way back to yourself. He'll meet you where you are and he'll walk back with you. It might be that you've just taken one little step away and this is a reminder to you like, wow, I need to continually be confessing. Maybe that there's an entire part of your life that you just set over on the side and you just said, you know what, I know to confess that would be painful. I'd much rather, I'd much rather just see things how they are because that's a little easier and safer. And maybe you even know in your head that that'll be pain down the road. But it's easier now. Father knows what you've done. He knows who you are and he loves you. And he accepts you more than you could ever dare. So come back 